I want us to continue our sermon series called Outside of the Box. And we started it last week. And the, the whole idea behind this series is the fact that sometimes we tend to live life in our safe little box. Uh, we tend to have this idea of what life should be like. And it's based on our box, our way of viewing things and the way that, that we have tended to live. Also, we sometimes take things in life, we try to fit them in our box or we try to make it our box, and, and we miss out on seeing some bigger things. And so I wanted to give you a little illustration this morning that if you, if you kind of get the idea that this box represents your life, sometimes what we try to do is we try to go, okay, I've got all these things in my life I want to fit in here. And the constant struggle that we have is, what all can I put in my life? I have family, I have work, I have school, I have job. And, and then sometimes we tend to view our faith as, now I also have to fit my faith in this box. But I want to challenge you with a different view today. You see, this box is sitting here on this stage at First Baptist Church. Now, if you think about it, that represents one life. And that one life fits right up here on this stage. But if you look at it this way, this stage is inside this building. Let's just show them a picture of this building. See, there's our building before the roof was repaired. So the roof has been repaired, but that's our building. And so if you see that, this box is sitting in this building, kind of right about where it says First Baptist Church Weatherford. If you can see that, it's kind of right about where this box is sitting inside this building. But this building is inside this city right? And so that city, whew, okay, now you get a little bit bigger of a picture here. This building is kind of right there where the T on Weatherford is, and this box is sitting in this building, which is in this city, which happens to be in this state, right? So this state, now, okay, now you get the idea where this box is. It's somewhere over there, okay? That's kind of where it is because this state is in this nation, and so here you have this nation, and so we're, now we're we're down, we're down here, and this nation is part of this world, which is kind of huge, isn't it? So let me, let me get this straight. We continue to try to view this by trying to fit it in that. And that's a little ridiculous. Because there is a lot more life that happens outside the box than will ever happen inside the box and when we begin to learn to live our faith outside of the box we will begin to experience the greatness of God who who the psalmist puts it this way the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it and so many times we get our faith backwards because we see faith as I have to put God into my life and that just makes me laugh when you look at these pictures. You can't fit God in your life. What you need to work on is how do I fit my life into what God is doing? That's what faith is about. And when we flip it out and start living our life outside of the box, not by my rules, but by the rules of the person who created that big old globe out there, then faith becomes very, very exciting. Here's what comes to mind for me of what we do sometimes. How many of you have ever attended the party of, say, maybe someone who's turning one or two? Anybody ever attended one of those parties? 
Here's one of the funniest things about when you go to a party like that. You have to tell them, here is your present. Right? Now, look, you get older in life, it's like, that's my present. (laughs) You don't have to worry about these things. But when they're little like that, you have to tell them, here is your present. And then you have to help them start tearing that present open, right? And the funniest thing that's happened at many of these parties that I've ever seen is somebody has thought, they have worked, they have sacrificed, they've done things, and they've, they're, they're working to give a gift. And they take that gift and they put it in a box and they wrap that box up nice, <clears throat> and then they give it <laughs> to this kid. And the kid tears the stuff off, and then they're playing with the paper. And we're like, no, 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 it's, it's here in the box. And then they open the box, and you take the gift out, and they have the box. And they're setting the box on their head, and they're taking the box off, and they're doing all these things. And the present, the actual present, is sitting over here. And I can't tell you how many times you take all the boxes afterwards, and you make this cool fort out of, and they play with the fort of boxes while all these valuable gifts are sitting over here waiting to be used. Anybody ever experienced that? That's kind of how we sometimes deal with God. God says, I've given you some things in life, and I've packaged them in a certain way, and you're so focused on the package that you've missed the actual gift. And one of the packages that God helped us experience life through is the law. You see, God gave the law, and he gave that law to help us interact with other people and help guide in life, but the law was written as this is this precursor to what was actually coming, the real gift, which was Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is dealing with with the Galatians right now, is that they're playing with the box. They're holding on to the box. They're building forts out of the box, and they're not, they've missed out on the fact that the real gift has come. It's in Jesus Christ. And so we pick up what Paul has been writing to this church in Galatians chapter 3. And we start in verse 10 where Paul's telling them about the law. And he says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Now real quick, what he's saying is there's no way that you can follow the whole letter of the law. It's impossible. Verse 11, he says, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by what's that next word wake up with me faith okay so here's the argument that Paul is making we don't live by the law as Christians we live by faith we're justified by faith we're made right with God by our faith not because we followed the letter of the law verse 12 the law is not based on faith on the contrary it says the person who does these things will live by them Christ redeemed us from the curse of a law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Very simply, what Paul is saying here is the law was a curse because we can't actually fulfill it. Because if you break one part of the law, you've broken all of it. We'll get to that in a minute. And so it was a curse on us. Actually, it wasn't this blessing, but someone came and Make, took that curse away from us, that person of Jesus Christ, and he did that by becoming the curse itself because he says, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, referring to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. In verse 14, he says, he redeemed us 
in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now real quick, what's he talking about there? He said, God made a promise to Abraham and it was based on Abraham's faith, not based on what Abraham had done. And so it says that he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham by faith might come to us by faith through Jesus Christ so that by faith we receive the promise of the Spirit. So we're going to talk about this a little bit, about this idea of the law. Because one of the things that Paul's been talking to the Galatians about is this idea, okay, we give our life to Christ, and then what? What does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to live out my faith? What do I do now? And some of the people like to take their faith and like to build this box and they like to say this is what it means you have to do these things you have to do it at this time you have to do it this way and if you don't do it that way then you're outside of the box and you couldn't possibly be a believer and that's what was happening at the church and Paul was saying whoa 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 how is it that you come to Christ in faith and then now all of a sudden you're trying to live your life in Christ by letter of the law you can't do that you either have to live the whole thing by faith or you have to live the whole thing by law And then he goes on to make the argument, you can't live the whole thing by law because it's impossible to live the whole thing by law because if you break one part of the law, you break the whole law. So you can't do that. So we have to live by faith. And so what he's writing to the Galatians is you need to open your eyes that God can do more than just what you think that he can do. And you need to try to quit fitting the entire world into your lens and you need to learn how to fit your lens into God's world. And that's what we need to do is we need to get outside of the box in our faith. So let's talk specifically about the law. The law helps guide our steps. It helps point us in a right direction. But it in itself is not the fulfillment of life that we are looking for. The law is just pointing us in the right direction. And as it relates to our faith, some hold on to the law because It's easier. I can see it. I can read it. I'm comfortable with it. I feel good about it because I take care of the law better than they take care of the law. It helps me feel better about myself because I do better following it than they do. Therefore, I feel justified and I feel right. But in that sense, the law becomes a box. But the law, if you will, was simply just this holder through which the gift was intended to be delivered. The law simply proved that we're lawbreakers. (laughs) Think about that. When God gave us the law, here's what it did. It helped us all understand that we broke it. That's what it did. And so the law simply proved that we're lawbreakers so that we had a greater understanding that we need a Savior. Because I can't live by God's standard. I cannot live by God's standard. Let me give you another secret. Even when you give your heart and your life to Christ, on this side of heaven, you cannot live in perfection by God's standard. We still need God's grace just to make it through every day, every week. We are imperfect, broken people. But we are people who, if we have our faith in God, no longer need to put our faith in the law and hold people to the letter of it because we can say, you know what? Even though you might not have broken the same law I broke, we're all lawbreakers, and we just need to put our faith in God that He's the one that came and redeemed us. 
And when we start holding people to a standard that we can't even hold ourselves, it becomes impossible. The law helps keep order for those who follow it, but it's absolutely useless to people who don't follow the law, isn't it? Isn't it crazy kind of right now in our country that some people think, oh, things are out of control. We need to pass a law. Oh, yeah, because everybody will follow it. I'm sorry, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't somebody just say, oh, pass a law, and everybody going, oh, I didn't know what to do. You see, the law in itself is useless, especially to those who don't care for it. And it's kind of crazy sometimes that when we think about this illustration from earlier about how the law is this gift and it's intended to be open and given to us, that sometimes we get more excited about the gift than we actually do the giver. Because without the giver, there's no gift. Life's about relationships. And that's what Jesus Christ's coming was, was trying to illustrate that this isn't about law and no law. It's not about following the letter of the law because you can't. This is about relationships. And there's no way that we can have a right relationship with God by following the law because we've all already broken it. And so something had to happen for us to be made right with God. And it can't just be, ooh, I promise I'll follow the law from this day forward because we were already lawbreakers. And so God wanted a relationship with us. And this is what he exemplifies to us. You know what's greater than the law? Sacrifice. In our culture, that needs to sink in. In today's chaotic America, that needs to sink in. There's one thing that's greater than the law in this, and that's sacrifice. The people who are willing to say, I understand my rights, but I willingly give them up for the betterment of somebody else. Which is exactly what Jesus Christ did. Because what we're all fighting and bickering over is my rights are better than your rights. And we've built this, we've actually built this system that is kind of ridiculous. Because we built a system trying to convince everybody that their individual rights are the most important thing. That's impossible. Everybody's individual rights cannot be the most important thing because as soon as your individual right is different than my individual right, we have a problem. And somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. Oh no, there is no right and wrong. Everything just kind of floats through life however you see it. <laughs> no. Somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. I mean, it's an impossible structure to keep. And so what we need to understand, and I'm talking to you, church, what we need to understand as believers is that sacrifice is greater than even following the law. Laying down your rights, your desires, your want, your political views, your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, and saying, I'm going to set myself aside for the greater good is what's more important. You know how I know that's more important? Because it's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He had everything. And he laid it all down and said, it's more important for me to lay down my life so that people can come to know God than it is for me to have everything that I rightfully deserve. And that's the example that we're supposed to follow. It's what Jesus exemplified, and it's the key for issues in our country today. We're trying to legislate morality, to have people conform to a behavior or a standard that we say is best. And, and look, here's the deal. Our hearts can be 100% pure in that. We're desiring the absolute best for people, but we cannot force anyone to follow a standard. 
And this is exactly what Paul is saying to the Galatians back then. Guys, you're putting up laws and rules, but you can't force people to follow a standard because that's not the basis on which our our relationship with Christ is built. It's built on faith. And we all must choose if we're going to make a difference in today's culture. And if we are, hear me, church, if we're going to make a difference in today's America, it's not going to come from a political stance. It's going to come from a genuine sacrifice. That's where it's going to make a difference. It's going to come from people like this who gave up some time of their week who go to the center of hope and who serve. That makes a difference. It's going to come from people who give up a week of their life and head down to Victoria and go help people who are in need from a hurricane. That's where it makes a difference. It's going to, it's going to come from people sacrificing money that they could spend on self, but yet they're going to give it to missions and mission work to keep that stuff going. That's where it's going to come from. It's not going to come from a political agenda. It's not going to come from who we elect and don't elect. It's not, it's not going to come from the police. It's not going to come even from our own rules as a church. It's going to come from love and genuine sacrifice that we have for people. And so Jesus said, look, I have a way that I absolutely believe is best for people to live life, but I'm not going to force you to follow it. Now think about that. The creator of the universe, the one who has all things in his hand said, I have a way that's best, but I'm not going to force anybody to follow it. I'm going to give you a choice. But here's what I'm going to do so that you understand how important this is. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm just going to lay my life down. I'm going to lay my life down so that you can find the way to abundant life. But now that Jesus has made that kind of sacrifice for us, you have a choice to make for a sacrifice as well. And if you make that choice and you choose to sacrifice the things that that might fit in your box very conveniently, and and, and you tend to say, you know what, I'm going to get outside of this box. I'm going to quit looking at life through my limited perspective, and I'm going to flip this around and realize that my life is a speck in God's perspective, and it would be better if I just followed him. If you'll take that sacrifice and lay it down, then and only then will you have everything that you have ever wanted in life. That's the path to abundant life. It's not self-help. It's not a better you tomorrow. It's not some program you can buy. It's not something somebody can sell. It's something that's already been given away to you free because Jesus Christ sacrificed that. And here's the way that he himself said it. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, starting in verse 24, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must, what are those next two words? Say that like you are excited that God told us to do that. Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves. Not do for themselves. Deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will actually find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I've told you all a hundred times Christianity makes no logical sense, but it makes absolutely perfect spiritual sense. And the reason it makes no logical sense is because we live in a broken world and we see things from a broken and limited perspective from our own little box. And if we'll ever get outside of our box and we'll start looking at it from God's perspective, it might not make sense in our box because it's easy for me to say I cannot fit the entire earth in here. And we all kind of laugh and go, yeah, that's it. But that's exactly what we're doing every time we say, oh, my way is better than yours, God. I got this figured out. There's no way. And when God says things like whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it, he means it. 
And it's absolutely true. If you will give it up and hand it over to him, you will experience life like never before. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Quit trying to fit things into the law. So let's look at that a little closer. The law, what Paul is saying, the law falls short of what we really want, which is true and abundant life. Why is that? Well, here's the first reason why. The law does not justify us. It can only condemn us. Law doesn't make us right. It just makes us wrong. Even if we follow the law, that's, that's great, but people don't go around going, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you for following the law today. That's, that's an awesome job driving the speed limit. Hey, good job not doing that. What happens is when we break it, people go, hey, whoa, here's the breaker right here. That's it. That's what happens. You see, and Paul writes, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything Everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. How many drivers do we have in the room? Drivers, raise your hand. You got that license? You're driving. Okay. You can keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. And keep it up if you've never, and I mean never, ever, ever, never gone at least one mile over the speed limit. You've never broken. Keep it up. I'm preaching to a bunch of criminals. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's true, right? If we follow the letter of the law, and if we're all honest to say, I didn't, even have to, I didn't even have to go further than one law. And we're all a bunch of criminals. We're all a bunch of lawbreakers. You are, by the letter of the law, a criminal. And so this is what Paul is saying. The law doesn't justify us. The law condemns us. The law, God put the, the law there to show us our need for him is that there's no way we can build a tower big enough to reach heaven. There's no way that we can do enough right things for <laughs> How do you impress the God who owns it all? Look what I made with all your stuff. I mean, it's like, ah, you can't do that. And so this is what he's saying. The law doesn't justify. The law can only condemn. But here's the good news. It's the great reminder that we can all be fully known by God and fully loved by God. Because even though the law condemns us, we have this. There's hope for lawbreakers. There's hope for lawbreakers, amen? That means there's hope for you and there's hope for me because I'm preaching to a bunch of criminals. I've already seen that, okay? There's hope for lawbreakers. It says here, Paul writes the words, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that he promised Abraham by his word based on Abraham's faith saying this is what I'm going to do to redeem you to make you a great people and to make a great nation and it says that this is also going to come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus now I, I'm gonna have a little rant this morning you're saying a little one okay I'm always amazed I don't know why I should be over it by now but I'm always amazed and I'm a little frustrated by the people who I run into often who, who try to sell pieces of biblical truth from a limited perspective. What do you mean sell pieces of biblical truth? See, here's, here's, a, here's a filter through which I view life. You can agree with me or disagree with me. All truth is God's truth. All truth is God's truth. It doesn't matter where you hear it from. You can hear a truth of God from an atheist. Because all truth is God's truth. Because when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's saying, if there's anything that's truthful, there's anything that's right, there's anything that's good in this world, it came from me. All truth is God's truth. 
To me, I see our process in science as a continual discovering of God's truth. We figure something out and go, hey, I figured something out. And God's going, hey, <laughs> I knew that. That's kind of how I see it. All truth is God's truth. And we live in a world right now where people capture a little bit of God's truth. And they're, here's your key to success. I've figured out. If you'll figure this down, you'll add this to your life. You put that in your life. And then they try to sell it to you. Say, here's, here's how you have the greatest life for you. And all they're trying to do is tell you to stuff more things in your box and life will be greater. But the truth is, throw your box out and life will be awesome. That's what God's saying. Get out of your box and quit trying to put things in there or quit trying to take these limited perspectives. They try to, people who view spirituality as a key to personal growth are people who view spirituality as, well, this is the key to my success because I'm a faithful person. <laughs> That's not a key to your success. It's everything. You got to flip that around. It's I'm successful because God loves me and he's, he owns everything and he's allowed me to take care of this much of it right now. And if I take care of this much of it, good, then he might give me this much of it to take care of. If I take care of this much of it, good, then he might give me this much to take care of. And if it ever comes to the point where you say the key to my personal success is because of God, what he'll probably do is go, all right, we're going to take this right back down here. Because it's the people who realize that everything that we have comes from God are the people who get that. And here's the other great thing about it. He already gave it to us free. You don't have to pay for that. You don't have to read that in the book. You don't have to write a report on it. It's there. In other words, quit trying to create a box to put God in to serve other people. Just go serve. Just go live. Just be free is what Paul is saying. The truth is, the life that you want, and this is true for everybody in this room, whether you believe in God or not, this is a truth. The life that you want is already available to you for free because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, period. And the example that was set is that we're supposed to do for others because that's what God did for us, not for our personal gain or not to make our life better or our life more successful. We do it because we do it out of a love for God who already did that for us. And it's in that process, in that cycle, that life becomes awesome. Because when it's not about you, it's great. It really is. You see, we all want a better future. And that's the common thing that we have here. We all have this desire of, well, I want my life tomorrow. Anybody want their life tomorrow to be better than it was today? You know, okay, great. Let me write a book and sell that to you. I can tell you how to do that, all right? We all want our life to be better tomorrow than it was today. We all want to get through it. Because here's the deal. We all have a hope that there's a better future than there is today. But here's the deal. Our hope's in Jesus. That's what we need to realize. Our hope is in Jesus. This is why Paul wrote, the promises that were spoken to Abraham and to his seed, Scripture does not say, and to his seeds, meaning my people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Okay, pastor, what is that? Okay. Meaning that when God made the promise to Abraham, he was pointing toward the Messiah, not toward the people. God made the promise to his son, and it's through his son that all peoples were going to be blessed. It wasn't through the fact that all people, God's son, was going to be blessed. It was through his son, all people were going to be blessed. And see, we need to flip that backwards. And he's saying that it's to his seed, the seed of Abraham, the, the, 
the law was pointing to that Jesus Christ is coming. And through Jesus Christ, he'll set the example, he'll redeem us, he'll restore relationships, and he'll open that up to everybody. See, our hope is not in the law. The statement that makes many of us uncomfortable, and a lot of Christians get real uncomfortable with this, and boy, 25-year-old Lundell was real uncomfortable with this statement, I'll just say that, is that obeying the law does not gain you what you ultimately desire. Because I love to tell people what the rules are. I, I get a little joy out of that, actually. It feels good. But obeying the law does not ultimately get us what we desire. It really doesn't. Now, <laughs> before you go away from today and say, Pastor told us to be a bunch of rebels and lawbreakers and God loves us anyway. Amen. Let's just go. I'm speeding home. I got to get to all the places before the Methodists do so I can eat better. I mean, all this kind of stuff. Okay. So... Here's the side thought. Before you go away thinking I'm telling us to be a bunch of law-ignoring rebels, that's not what I'm saying. There is value in obeying the law. But here's the deal. It's that the value is not for you. The value in obeying God's law, especially once we have a relationship with Him, is for the benefit of others. See, let me explain to you how the value of obeying the law is for the benefit of others. I live that way. I live in Hudson Oaks. So when we get done here, I'm going to get on Highway 180 and I'm going to drive. And on Highway 180, they have these neat little yellow lines that divide it. Now, if I wanted to, I could just say, I can live my life however I want. All these lanes are mine. And I could drive wherever I want. And I could break the law and I could drive the wrong way and I could do this. And when I do that, it's quite possible that I could veer across that yellow line and I could harm someone else. But because I choose to follow the law and stay in my lane, I am now being a benefit to others. You see, obeying the law is not necessarily for our own benefit. It's for the benefit of God has set some examples of said, now let me tell you how to treat one another. Obey these laws. Respect them. Love them. Do these things for them. When we start seeing the law as our own personal benefit, we're missing the point of it. The law does have benefit, and we should follow it. But we follow it because we're saying, I love others enough to respect the law and do things the right way. Because what do we all get frustrated with is when somebody ignores the law, thinks they're above the law, and does things their own way, and it ultimately causes us harm. So there's your benefit for obeying the law. But what you need to understand and what Paul is saying is, we don't gain our access to God by obeying the law. That came through faith. And once we have a faith in Christ, we have access to Him. And now the law has a proper place in our life, and it is helping us relate to and love one another. Because we then choose to lay down our rights and choose to willfully say, I'm going to follow God's way, God's commands, and God's law, and His authority. And then it is a benefit to other people. And this is true for all authorities in your life. Whether it's a parent because God has given you parents, kids, for a reason. And if you listen to what they say and if you follow what they say, what you're actually doing is you're demonstrating a love and a respect for your parents by saying, I will do this your way. But when you choose to say as a child of, I don't really care what you say, it's not so much that you didn't do your thing as much as it is that you say, I don't really love and respect what it is that you have to say. It's that way for bosses, for teachers, for anyone 
in a position of authority. If we're going to deal with them, we don't deal with them by ignoring the authority that they've set up and somehow present ourselves as, I know this better than you. We follow the law out of respect for them, and we earn the right to be able to have a relationship with them in life, and we love them, and we trust that God, who's in charge of it all, will lead this to the right thing. So ultimately, a right relationship with Jesus Christ which comes through faith and faith alone. And you take that relationship, that right relationship, and you partner it with the willingness to obey His laws and, and follow His commands out of a love for Him and a love and a respect for others. That is what will lead us to the life that we were created for. And it will help us to stop viewing life from our limited perspective but it will help us to see how our life fits within God's perspective and how life can be so much greater outside of our little view if we'll just interact with God's view and find where we fit. And here's the great news. When you look at that picture of the earth, is there anybody here that doesn't fit on it? We all fit in God's plan. And God loved each and every one of us so much that he did what he did so that we can have a right relationship with him. So I just want to encourage you today, what box do you need to let go of? Where is it that you need to get outside and say, I need to quit looking at this from my perspective and I need to start looking at this from God's perspective. And so the question I'll ask you this morning is this, what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to? You see, the Galatians were holding on to the law. The Galatians were saying, you know, God's given us all this freedom, but I'm real comfortable if I just hold on to this law. And if I help everybody else follow this law, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. And it might be easier for us to see that because we're not them. But the truth is, is we're all holding on to something that can be holding us back from experiencing what God wants for us in the best way. So think about that today. What box are you protecting what box are you playing with? The, the gift's inside, and you've set that gift inside, and you're just playing with the box like a toddler. And what is it that you need to recognize that there's a gift there? Because your most fulfilling life will be found outside of your box. A life focused on investing in others and not trying to fit this entire world into your limited perspective. It's a life that says, God, I'm going to let you be God, and I'm just going to be along for the ride and enjoy it. Because you have everything in your hands. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? I want to offer us just a, a time to reflect on that. Because quite honestly, you're going to hear me say this a lot over the next few weeks. Just this whole perspective, I think, is big. Because we can't help but view life through our own lenses. But when we begin to challenge those and start trying to seek life through God's lens, it's amazing how big things get and how fulfilling life becomes. So I want to give you an invitation this morning. If you've never come to that place in life where you say, I've taken that step to put my faith in Jesus Christ, then you can begin that just with a prayer. You can say, God, I want to be yours. God, I want to quit trying to fit you into my life and I want to fit into yours. And so, God, I pray that you would take over my life, that you would lead me, you would guide me, that you would fill me from the inside and help me live it out for you. 
And if today's the first time you've prayed a prayer like that, I would encourage you to let someone know. Our pastors and staff are going to be at the front and would love to pray with you and talk with you during this response time and help you with that decision. And then the other thing is, maybe you've given your life to Christ a long time ago, but God has challenged you this morning and shown you that you've been putting him in a box that's way too small, and it's time to get outside of that and do things his way. There's something that is very powerful about just getting up from your seat and maybe coming to this altar and and saying a prayer. Maybe you're praying for someone, maybe you're praying for yourself, but there's just something powerful that marks some action that we're taking to say, God, it's not good enough for me to sit still on this. I need to respond to you in this way. And so that's what this time is for as well. So I want to pray for us. And then when I'm done praying, then as God leads you to respond to him, then then you just move as he leads you. Would you stand your feet? Let me pray. God, thank you so much that you love us and that you're willing to lead us in life. And I pray that we would follow you in all things. And God, whatever it is that you're stirring on the hearts of people today, give them the boldness and the courage to step out on faith to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.